We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, founder of KCSN and former Chiefs insider and sideline reporter. And it's Wednesday, which means we'll be joined by YouTube NFL content legend Brett Coleman, who will share his new gig working with the NFL, doing some content for them specifically. And then plus, we'll talk about Chris Jones as a defensive player of the year candidate, at least a guy who deserves to be in that conversation. We'll get Brett's thoughts on that and his thoughts on the hows and whys of the Chiefs offense and what was supposed to be a down year, leading the league in scoring number two in yards. Uh, excited to get Brett's thoughts on those couple of things. But before we bring on Brett, here's a quick word from DraftKings. You can make every play feel as exciting as a Patrick Mahomes deep pass with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can bet any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on those stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, right now, let's welcome on Brett Coleman to the show. You can find him on Twitter at Brett Coleman or on YouTube. Also at Brett Coleman, I promise you'll learn something checking out his YouTube channel. And hopefully we learn a lot today talking Chris Jones and the Chiefs offense. Brett, my man, how goes it today? Uh, I, I, I feel like gloating, but I'm going to restrain myself because I said all offseason that <laughs> the Chiefs are going to be fine. You know, they didn't live and die by shot plays to Tyreek Hill. It happened like literally nine times the entire season. I said they, they're <laughs> Their system is sustainable because they have Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. One receiver is not going to make or break them. What do you know? Magically, they're the best offense in the league. Who knew? You know, one of the things that you did talk about earlier in the year that I hadn't really considered, um, which was a great point, and I think it 
maybe Mahomes had to work a little harder, um, not getting some of those easy yards where some of that off coverage stuff where they would just throw it out to Tyreek. He'd pick up eight yards very quickly, very easily that they don't have necessarily that kind of playbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't have those plays in their arsenal yet. Uh, but it hadn't really slowed him down, obviously, as what we've been talking about. But Brett, the receipts are starting to come back because we're about seven games in. Chiefs fans are starting to dig up a lot of these tweets <laughs> from the offseason. Uh, the Keenan Allen one was my favorite. Uh, when Tyreek got traded, uh, he put out this tweet or this move is going to expose some people. I'm glad he's out of our division. Oh, even and Tyreek's like, own hmm. statements are probably getting dug up, you know? Yeah, I just we just happened to find that one first, but there's there's going to be an entire I mean it's the bye week, so everybody's yeah. got time oh, yeah. to go find all these old uh tweets. I've said from the beginning that I would be an insufferable Chiefs fan. I normally am pretty even keel, win, lose, whatever. Uh it's a long season. Uh Nate Taylor yesterday said, you know, it's chapters in a book every game. Uh, but with everything the AFC West and what the teams did in the AFC West to try to make moves to take down the champs. Uh, it's looking pretty good so far. And we saw, you know, an, an off season, unlike any other with, you know, what Denver did with Russell Wilson and that, how that's working out for them. Uh, but also Randy Gregory, obviously the Raiders bringing in Devontae yeah. Adams, signing Chandler Jones and the chargers, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, uh, some of the moves not really working out, uh, in their favor. Pretty much everyone. I think I just mentioned those guys haven't made the impact. Uh, Khalil Mack's been good. Uh, but, JC Jackson obviously injured now and wasn't playing great before, but Brett, let's get into this before I get into my insufferable chiefs <laughs> fire hosing takes of yeah, you, you did it. everything you could and you still couldn't beat us. Let's talk a little Chris Jones defensive player of the year candidate. I know pro football focus put out, you know, a stat saying he's the highest graded defensive player in the league right now. Is it too early for chiefs fans or you know, we're biased, but is it too early to have that conversation and saying Chris Jones should be a legitimate contender for defensive player of the year? No, because not only is he playing like, you know, his normal all pro caliber self, there's really only three interior players in the league right now that I, I think have a shot and it's Aaron Donald because always Aaron Donald, uh, Mm -hmm. Chris Jones and Quinn and Williams, like those three are the gold standard right now. And Jones in particular, I think his case is very strong. You know, he's top six in pressures. He's got 32 pressures in seven games, which for an interior guy is really good. Um, You know, obviously the sacks are also there, so he's finishing it. Uh, He's fifth, tied for fifth in batted passes at the line, which is something a lot of other DTs don't necessarily have. Uh, He's got three of those already, so he's on pace for, you know, six or seven, which a batted pass to me is still a killed play. So if you're killing as many plays as possible, that's usually a good thing. But to me, what also makes his case strong is you look at what's around him on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. He's the guy, you know, that mm-hmm. that that people are sliding to. Like, he, you don't really leave him one on one unless the defense absolutely forces you to do it by, like, walking up a linebacker or threatening a blitz or something like that. But in just a straight up, like, four man rush look, they're they're sliding to Chris Jones. He's getting a lot of double teams. So it is a little bit harder for him than on say a lot of other interior guys in the league. And he's still producing like crazy. I think that if he had the benefit of some of the other guys that are on the jets defensive line around him, for instance, the numbers would be off the freaking charts right now. So he definitely has a case in terms of who I would vote for. I still lean uh, towards Micah Parsons for now, Mm -hmm. 
But Chris Jones is absolutely in the conversation and, you know, given a month or two and who knows that could flip. When it comes to voting and the way that it actually happens to win awards like that, what is it that you think Chris Jones would need to do over the final 10 games of the regular season? Cause for me, it's a combination, obviously stats, like you need sacks uh, to win an award like that. A lot of pressures is great, uh, but a lot of people are going to vote based on, you know, who are making the game changing plays. And that's just traditionally been sacks. And then the combination of primetime games standing out and making game changing plays. Uh, the Chiefs have a couple more primetime games on their schedule. They've got a point against Denver. Uh, we'll see who's playing quarterback for Denver in that game. But uh, what do you think that he could do to strengthen his case? Because taking nothing away from Micah Par- Parsons being just an absolute beast uh, down there in Dallas. But what can Chris do to strengthen his case for the voters in the way that it actually happens to win an award like that? Usually, and I, I wish it wasn't this way, but you know how it is. A lot of the voters don't watch everything. In fact, a lot of the voters don't watch even half of the games or half the players. They pick their one game on you know the 10 a.m. slot, their one game in the 4 p.m. slot, and then the primetime game. You know, maybe they'll watch Red Zone, but they're they're not sitting there watching everything, grading everything. And so it really does come down to what are you doing in primetime combined with stats? Like that is that has always been the determining factor in who wins. So you got a Sunday night game coming up against Tennessee at home in a couple weeks. You got to buy to prepare for it. If he gets two and a half sacks in that game and two and a half more sacks against Denver in primetime in about a month from now. Yeah. That leaves an impression on the voters mind. And he's obviously still going to be great in the other games, too. But the primetime games where the voters who we know for a fact don't watch every game. If you're making an impression in those slots, you're going to have a good shot to win. So those are the two games that that he needs to make a big push in, which, you know, he's Chris Jones. He probably will. He'll be fine. All right, let's move to the other side of the ball and talk about the Chiefs offense. It's been the story. We talked about it before. You mentioned uh, from the day that we started doing these videos that uh, you didn't expect there to be much of a drop-off of the Chiefs offense, and that's what we've seen. Uh, it's been a little bit different. Um, even the, the numbers kind of bear that out, looking at some of the, the passing charts and uh, maybe not taking the highest percentage of deep shots down the field, but they're throwing more intermediate across the middle. Uh, but for you, what's been the – give me the hows and whys. I know it's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> but you're the X's and O's genius here, uh, and not just like the rest of us just saying, well, Patrick's really good at football. Uh, and that's the reason that the Chiefs offense is really good. But schematically, what, what have they changed? What have you seen uh, as far as how they're utilizing this new – you know, group of wide receivers to, you know, the skill sets of, of what they do and, and how they're finding success. It's, it's funny. Cause sometimes it does come down to Patrick is really good at football. <laughs> like if you're just looking at like a, the statistical profile of this team, right. Yeah. And I actually gathered a whole bunch of stats for this cause it, it blew me away and I wanted to get the right numbers. All right. So you look at uh success rate for plays, right? Success rates defined as uh, you get 40% of the necessary yards to the sticks on first down, you get 60% of necessary yards to the sticks on second down and success rate on third down is, are you converting or not? So this team has allowed the fourth most pressures in the league, the fourth highest pressure rate in the league allowed the uh, fourth highest pressure percentage under two and a half seconds allowed. And yet they are bottom six and sacks taken. 
because Pat gets out of everything. Like he's really, really slippery. Um, and he could break the pocket and, and do his Pat Mahomes things and, and turn pressures into throwaways instead of pressures into sacks. That's a big key. Secondly, their success rate, despite all of that pressure given up, is still top three in virtually every down and distance. And especially on third down, third and seven plus, meaning third and seven out to third and 20. Like we saw that uh, that filter screen that hit on third and 20 this past game. Uh, on third and 11, we saw a go ball to MVS against quarters where Pat knew he had a one-on-one outside and hit it because the corner was flat-footed and didn't believe they were going to try to make that throw. But Pat said, I'm, I'm Mahomes, I'm going to make that throw. And he did. Their success rate on third and seven plus in those exact types of situations is bonkers. It's 42%. On third and long or third and very long. That is best in the league. Better than Buffalo, better than Cincinnati, better than the Eagles, better than everybody. That is absurd to allow that much pressure and still have a quarterback that can get out of that pressure and make those types of long throws to MBS and, you know, find Kelsey sitting in a hole over the middle while he's running for his life. Obviously, the scheme stuff is great. You know, we've seen contributions in the run game. Creed is playing out of his mind. Uh, as a run blocker in particular to set up some easier third downs. But when things really get bad, Mahomes is just on a completely other level this year. Like this is the best he's ever played. And, yeah. and he's one of the five on pace to be. Oh, like, no, dude, go I, ahead and say, it. don't uh, stop yourself. I know you were about to say, I can see your face. He's, I, I, I don't want a lot of people to kill me for this, but I, and I know it's recency bias. He's one of the five best quarterbacks ever. And this is the yep. best he's ever played. It's absurd. He is from just a, absurd. From a pure talent standpoint, Super Bowls, however you want to judge the best to ever do it, you can do. You can put Terry Bradshaw in those conversations, which he never enters those, but you want to talk <laughs> Super Bowls, put him in that conversation. Terry would love it. Um, but from a pure skill standpoint, you can't argue with what this guy is doing on the field. And those stats just back yeah. it up. I love, and that one's a lot more in-depth than like real football, but the one that I love the most is... He is the second highest winning percentage overall of all quarterbacks. When you spot everybody, when you put him down 10, he is the second highest winning percentage of any quarterback since 2019. Like yeah. the, everybody else just like, even you get, you spot him every, the, his opponent, 10 points. He still has a seven a winning percentage of ever over. I think it's like seven Oh six. The yeah. only one higher is Aaron Rodgers, And that's going to be dropping as we get further into the season. And by the end of the season, it may end up still being, the best quarterback in the NFL, even when you give the other team a 10 point lead. Keep in mind. So I, I'm, I'm a Texans fan. I started being a Texans fan in 2002 when the team started up because my dad lived in Houston at the time. Um, that playoff game when Houston was up 24 to three, you can go mm-hmm. back in my Twitter timeline. Mm-hmm. I literally tweeted when they were up 24 to three, Kansas City's going to win the game. Cause I knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming like <sighs> 21 points, Pat Mahomes, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. That doesn't matter. And it didn't because that's what he is. I will. And I'm glad you brought this up. Um, It has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, but it is the reason that I will defend and not defend his play, but I will always support Daniel Sorensen forever because of that (laughs) game, his tackle on the fake punt, which led to the first touchdown and then getting the fumble on the kickoff for the next touchdown, like it changed that entire trajectory of the game. As soon as he tackled on the fake punt, I'm like, they're going to win this game. I think it was 24-3 uh-huh. at that point. Like they're winning this game. 
that was a very bad decision. The crowd is back into it, and there's way too much time left. And I was on the I was a sideline reporter for the radio network, and I told Dan Israel, our executive producer, I'm like, we're not losing this game now. Like these guys on the sideline are going crazy. Like they're not at it. Like this is we're gonna. See they were still they still here. won by like twenty or something. Yeah, right? it was like yeah. fifty one to thirty one. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just blew them out. But um, while we're talking uh, crazy, Mahomes stats are just you know context of of what we've seen last year and what we've seen this year. I was looking up some stats on Pro Football Focus, and I was curious. You know, now that we've got a little bit more of a sample size, they got seven games into the season, but just looking at, you know, the the percentage of passes thrown to different areas of the field, you know, last year uh, during the regular season uh, on passes of 20 yards or more down the field, that was 10.5% of his attempts were that far down the field. And this year it's 8.4%. Uh, so just a little bit lower. But when you look at the median, those intermediate routes between 10 and 19 yards down the field, Last year was 18.1%, and this year it's 22.1%. So more intermediate passes. But the cool thing that stands out to me is that during or in those medium passes last year, those intermediate routes were 18.1%, he was averaging 8.3 yards per attempt. So on passes that he's attempting 10 to 19 yards down the field, they're actually resulting in a yards per attempt of 8.3 on passes that were completed and all that. But this year those same passes 12.6 yards per attempt almost 4 yards per attempt better on the intermediate routes and i take that as it's juju it's mvs these bigger body receivers across the middle um and obviously travis kelsey doing what he does but is that is that what those numbers mean to you because i'm just trying to contextualize what we thought we were going to see with where he was going to deliver the ball and what this offense was going to look like and the numbers are starting to back this up yeah, and it's also the, the types of routes run. Um, we've noticed, or at least when I watch film, I don't, I don't have any numbers on this loaded up, but it, it felt like intermediate, like a significant number of the targets were, you know, turning your back to the defense. I'm talking like comebacks, curls, yeah. over the ball routes on mesh, that type of stuff where it's stop at a spot, look at Pat, you know, yep. that, that kind of stuff. It seems like this year we're getting more overs, crossing routes, dig stuff that's on the move. So you catch it and then turn up field for a few extra yards. It, it just feels like we're getting more yak opportunities there. It would make sense because they're seeing more man coverage. Whereas in the past, yeah. it was zone where they were just stopping in these windows, the ABC, stop, find Pat, find a lane, and it'll deliver the football. But yeah, and even further than that, just, you know, you just take pro football focus grades for what the or however you want to take them. I don't want to set anybody off here when we start talking about this stuff. But when you look at last year in a couple of the areas, and again, we're talking like, you know, very in-depth targeted areas of the field, but there were a couple areas during the regular season that he had below average passer grades uh, too. It was intermediate left and short left. Those mm -hmm. were lower. When you look overall at all of the different areas of the field, they're all a little bit better this year there's not an area that he's considered below average at different areas of the field and delivering to this year so all those thoughts about he's going to spread the ball around more he's going to read the field more he doesn't just have to rely on one guy and do different things um, or one guy to at least set the tone for the way the defense was going to be set up he can sit back and read it which those who have been around Patrick or have talked to him before or talked to the coaches he's never gotten enough credit for his mental acuity and his ability to play the position and his ability that didactic memory to know what a defense is doing and what coverages they're in and all those things. Uh, and the numbers are backing all this stuff up. 
I remember uh, his like fourth ever start is 2018 against the Steelers. It's like week three or week four, somewhere around there. That was week two, I believe. That, that was the game yeah. where everybody was like, oh, <laughs> like this yeah. might be real. <laughs> he was throwing touchdowns to Kelsey against mm-hmm. two invert with like, like a bluffed man coverage look where they were like tracking the motion and everything being like, Oh, we're in man coverage. And then they rolled out to two invert and he still let Kelsey up to see him for a touchdown in like his third or fourth ever start. That was the play that made me do my first episode where I was like, wow, I was dead wrong. Mahomes is amazing. Cause I, I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of Texas tech, but like it, it took me four starts in the league for me to go. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's yeah. really different. He's I remember, different. I remember talking with uh, with a few of the coaches. There's a couple stories, and I've shared these before. And I feel like it's you know far enough removed I can share these things. Um, I remember talking with a few of the coaches about you know and Patrick his first couple years. So like the year that he was sitting behind Alex, and then obviously his first year starting. And that first, it was going into his first year as the starter during OTAs where he didn't care. I talked to him after practice and, you know, there'd be a couple of interceptions, this, that, and you'd see him celebrate after a couple of plays that were just like simple little outs or just simple things um, that from a media standpoint, when you don't know what's going on in the field, you're just like, why is he so excited about that? And he was more into getting the protection set correctly than mm-hmm. he was the result of the throw or the play or whatever it was. And they were throwing the kitchen sink at him. And there's a story, and I, I've talked about this before, but that last day of OTAs, um, or it was mandatory minicamp. It was the last day of mandatory minicamp in June before they would break for like six weeks and go to training camp. That, you know, it was kind of set up the coaching staff and, and Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator at the time. And, you know, Chiefs fans can feel how they do about Bob, but Bob had a very intricate defense. He, he had a lot of looks. He threw a lot of things at people and is a, is a thought leader in that space. You have D, DCs around the league would always call the Chiefs in the offseason to talk to Bob to pick his brain on things. And that last day of OTAs, they made a plan like we're going to throw everything we possibly can to, to stump <laughs> him a little bit. So he feels like, hey, over the next six weeks, like I got to put some work and I got a lot of work to do. And Brett, he torched the defense and everything they tried and the look i was told that bob sutton gave to andy reed walking off the field was just like what do you you want me to do like he just tore us apart and that was where like the buzz internally of we're about to see something that no one has seen before and brett and all these guys kind of you know amongst themselves were like this is about to be really special. And then when it started to happen, when they, the guys were publicly saying like, we've been seeing this for a long time. Like it wasn't just, you know, promoting your guys and doing the media thing and saying nice things. They really were like, we've tried to stump this guy all off season. And he had just, it all clicked for him It all the way they brought him along the way they developed him. And then obviously his natural ability and uh, mental acuity again, to play the position. I'll never forget I didn't see it, but the way that it was described to me that Bob looking at coach, just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? I think it was Travis who said uh, that seam ball against Denver last week of 2017, when they saw that throw was yeah. what convinced Travis that it's like, oh, okay, this might be a little bit of a different ride next year. Let's, let's see what we got. 
that same game, he had a throw to Demarcus Robinson where because Mahomes first start his rookie year against it was at Denver, that last game of his rookie year uh, where he went in. He went in, played well. They were winning. They brought in Tyler Bray, did not go well. Denver took the lead. They put Patrick back in and mm-hmm. he had a drive at the end where he was running to his right. We see it all the time now, but he was running to his right. And he threw to Demarcus Robinson, just like kind of like on an over coming across the field as they were in a scramble drill. And. I was sitting next to Veach in the press box and he like started cheering and I had to like pull him down. I'm like, you can't do that in here. And there are a lot of people around here right now, man. Oh um, man. Yeah. Well, he's probably like, Sam and yeah, Therese I got a were... job for another 10 years. Let's go. <laughs> Sam and Therese were like kind of off to the side and I could hear them giggling and I hear Therese cackling. Um, and Sam just kind of like a high pitched giggle. Like, are you kidding me with this stuff? Oh, uh, and then obviously the next year, the left-handed throw. I mean, we've seen all those plays, but um, you know, there's, you talk about greatest quarterback ever. I would put up his highlights at 27 years old against any quarterback in NFL history already with what yeah. we've seen from him. It's crazy. Cause you know, rough list here as an outsider fan. Cause I know Chiefs fans are going to be biased. Tom Payton Marino. Yeah. Once you get to Marino, you know, it, it depends. It's okay. Are we, are we doing Montana? Cause He's Joe Cool in the playoffs and Super Bowls. Yeah. I would I would give him that deference, but like number five, it's Far Rogers. I I don't know. I don't know the trajectory yeah. that that Mahomes is on right now is as as amazing as Rogers is with all the MVPs and the statistics and everything like that. The trajectory that Mahomes is on right now is even better. So yeah. once we get to five, like I'll give, I'll give Montana top four because he's Joe Montana, but like, man, once you get to five, it's tough. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We, we suffered for a long time, Brett, uh, as a fan base. Uh, I was talking with a Packers fan the other day and she's talking about like, this is a glimpse of their future and what they're going to see. And as soon as Rogers is gone, like it's going to be bleak. And I'm like, no one's going to feel bad for you guys for a no. while with no. what you've had at quarterback. Uh, and just always feeling like you have a chance. And I'm like, and Chiefs fans, I mean, since it was since 83 that they had taken a quarterback in the first round and even like made the upper, like took a chance. And Brett, like there was a, there were so many bad stats out there. Um, but there was a stat, I, I think it was Blackledge, uh, where the Chiefs hadn't had a quarterback that they drafted that won them a game in like 30 years like it was the worst stat and i might have butchered that a little bit but it was something to that effect i'll look it up or i'm sure somebody in the comment section will will tell me but was your 83 or quarterback they took in like 85 that's uh, was like the last time because it was like brody croyle um (laughs) who they drafted and they they didn't take a lot of swings it was a lot of like former 49ers it was gerback and bono and uh, bringing over joe montana and all these other guys trent green and they've had good quarterbacks but they haven't been their guy and so yeah. with Mahomes, it was like, we finally got our guy and you got a toolsy playmaker with one of the best coaches in NFL history that's just like a quarterback whisperer and knows how to develop these guys. You put that talent and that mind together. Beautiful thing. And an amazingly team-friendly contract. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Like that, you will never, you will never see that type of deal again. Ever. I think he's doing just fine. You watch any Chiefs game every commercial break there's at least one patrick mahomes commercial whether it's state farm or whether it's high v whether it's yeah. oakley and they're good like it's not like annoying maybe it's because we're yeah. Chiefs fans and but you no know, he's Lamar genuinely good deal. 
Lamar ain't giving <laughs> yeah. that deal to Baltimore. Russ didn't give that deal to Denver. Like that, that is a one of one contract, which, you know, yeah. baby goat yeah. to goat. Like Brady had very flexibly structured contracts, so to speak. Yeah, same, same kind of thing. He wants to win Super Bowls. I respect it. We talked about roster composition. We'll wrap up this show, get your final thoughts. But uh, talk about roster composition, the way they're set up. The Chiefs are getting so much production out of their rookies right now Mm -hmm. in the rookie class at edge rusher with Carl Loftus. Hasn't made the impact necessarily with sacks, but he's gotten a lot of pressures. He's he's not out of his element out there on the field as a liability or anything. And then obviously the young DBs that we've talked about with Brian Cook. McDuffie hadn't even played but like a half. So we'll see him back after the bye week. Coach Reed said that he should be getting back and healthy. Josh Williams, Jalen Watson. You see these young guys stepping up, making plays. Leo Chanel's getting out there. Pacheco's getting out there. This is set up very well with the cap extending. They're going to be into some money. And, to, and uh, 2023 and uh, 2023 and 2024 Chiefs first round picks. Uh, Brian Burns is, is a pretty good player, too. Oh, you're you're on the Bryant trade for Brian Burns train. Let's Hell let's talk about yeah, this. Yeah, I am. Let okay. Wouldn't you be? I'm not against it, but I'm the. It worries me, and I've said this probably on every show that we've had because it always comes up. It worries me to give up multiple high draft picks, and knowing you're going to have to give the dude a big contract because you don't want to be in an Orlando Brown situation where you give up a high draft pick and then you don't extend him. That you extend a player before you know how he fits or what kind of impact he makes. Mm. So you would know better than me. I haven't watched a ton of Brian Burns, but the combination of draft picks plus money for a player that hasn't stepped foot in your building yet just makes me nervous. I think Chiefs fans are scarred because of what eventually happened uh, with Frank Clark's production and obviously Orlando Brown. Talking the wrong guy about Frank Clark. I know. I, mo- 99% of Chiefs fans are scarred <laughs> about what eventually happened. With Not everybody the... can be right. <laughs> <laughs> They've traded some first round picks recently that maybe they wish they had back. But yeah, they could have drafted LJ Collier, which is who Seattle took with that <laughs> pick, Brett. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm Seattle a little defensive, all right? I'm a little Seattle defensive, right? Picks. Um, but uh, Brian Burns is, is right now a better player than Frank was when they traded for him. And that's nothing against Frank Clark. Brian Burns is like a, an amazing edge rusher and he's a better edge rusher than Brown was a tackle when they acquired him. So he is just a straight up better football player with a higher You're ceiling. You're a big Brian Burns fan, aren't you? I love Brian Burns. I love you, Brian Burns. What do you think it would ultimately take? Let's, let's chase this down. What do you think it would ultimately take? Or what do you think a fair deal for both teams would be as a, completely objective observer two ones i would say Uh, two two ones or um a one a two and a conditional three that could turn into another two based on production that's that's what i would guess but you're not again here you're going to be picking no worse than 30th or no higher yeah. than 30. Like you're not going to get Brian yeah. Burns at 30. You know? So I I would I would go the Rams route and be like, "Screw it. We got low picks anyway. Let's get a guy that we know is that we when people take a pick in the top 15, they hope that they turn out to be Brian Burns. So you might as well skip that step and just go get Brian Burns. <laughs> give up picks and you got to give him a contract. We got 16 yeah. million next year as his fifth year option and you give him a bunch of money, which in fairness, you can do because Karloftis is on a rookie deal. And you and, can have other young players that surround him, draft another guy, toolsy guy in the middle rounds. And 
hopefully develops. And, and they're so good at, at moving around their cap. Like they would figure out the money. I'm not worried about that part. The chiefs are very good at that. You know, they don't hit on every pick, but when it comes to money stuff, they're amazing. I, we should have done more research going into this. So I'd be curious also compare trading a couple picks for Brian Burns and giving them money. Are there any top edge rushers who are going to be coming available in free agency? Uh, that they wouldn't have to give up picks. They wouldn't get Brian Birds, obviously, for this year, but is there a marquee guy that is going to... Most edge rushers don't hit free agency. Uh, yeah. Like none, that? And the ones that, that we like, have seen have yeah. worked out. I mean, like Trey Flowers was a guy a couple years ago and had really you know, an impact. It's nothing like of the caliber, like when Vaughn was on the, you know, Vaughn was on the market last year. Um, it's nothing like that. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm looking at it right now. They're like Miles Garrett. I think they trade him. Like a Chase they Young. Gave, they gave him a deal, right? <laughs> yes, I'm just messing around. Just trying to buy some time. Here we go. If, here we if... go. Okay, so here, here is the... <laughs> here's the edge rusher. I know it's it. good for your point because you're giggling. You're interested in Yannick Ngakwe? Jadavian mm. Clowney? Cleveland mm. Farrell? Bradley Chubb? Samson Ebucam. Well, actually, I would actually like Ebucam, but still, he's not Brian Burns. He's injured, but none of them are Brian Burns. You want to bring back Melvin Ingram? I'm sure Chiefs fans would love that. Uh, Arden Key, Marcus Davenport, Dante Fowler. Like, that's what we're looking at here. You know, it's none of them are Brian Burns. How old? Davenport's pretty young, though. Yeah, he's. Well, actually, no, he got. He was an older draft pick. That's right. He's already 27. He's older than Brian Burns is. But okay, okay, you know. okay. You want to bring back Tano Passignon? <laughs> I like Tano. Tano is the first dude you get off the bus. Dude was six oh, eight. I'll never forget. Huge. He was he was six seven, two eighty nine with like four percent body fat. That dude yeah. was like where you build the defensive end at the NFL level, and they tried to turn him into a three four outside linebacker. I watched that guy at camp covering wheel routes, Brett. Oh, he's a freak athlete. That's why they yeah. took him in the second round. Yeah, but anyway. Brian Burns or bust. That's that's my All take. Right. Like you're so your in your team. window. We've got, go, go we've got five days. We've got five days to get it done. Uh, Kent Kent Swanson had said before that he give up a two and a four, and you don't think that would get. Him. Oh, you're not getting him for a two and a four. No they way. Hold on to him and have him play on a bad football team with no draft picks next year. Wait, if they traded away CMC for like half a draft. <laughs> anyway. We'll see how it all plays out. I, I would expect a move like a Robert Quinn. If you, if I had to put money on it, uh, Brian Burns, I just think it's it's too much for what's that's the two, two for? Robert Quinn. That's what they want for him. Yeah. You're not giving up well, a two for Robert Quinn. No. I, I know Brett Veach. You ain't doing that. And Brett Veach <laughs> is not giving Ryan Poles a two for Robert Quinn. No. <laughs> no I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. No. Um, but anyway, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do. Expect them to make some kind of move. We saw it even in the Super Bowl year. They made the move for Terrell Suggs. Um, it was late in his career, but made some impact plays in some moments that that it really mattered. And that's what you want to do with adding somebody at this point. Unless, to your point, it's a Brian Burns and a guy that you can help build your defense around for the next several years. And again, roster composition. You've got some money coming available in the next couple of years. And you've got another starting edge rusher on a rookie deal. So, um not a bad idea, Brett. What uh, what are you working on right now before we let everybody go? What can you promote? Well, I just did a quasi-Chiefs episode on uh, the history of the Shovel Pass and why Kansas City is like the only good team at running it. 
that ended up being a, a pretty fun one, and Chiefs fans seem to enjoy it because they like the explanation of why they're better than everybody. Go figure. Uh, right now, I'm working on uh, an episode of why Kyle Pitts' production has been incredibly low compared to expectations. You know, a lot of people saw him as like, you know, maybe the next Travis Kelsey and he's got like 16 catches in six games, which is very un Travis Kelsey like. So kind of diving into the Falcons scheme and, you know, what are, what are some of the things that have been going on down there in Atlanta They're to not uh, throwing the football. <laughs> don't even get me started. I was, I was going to do kind of the, the same of, you know, why the chiefs good. Patrick is good. It's like, why are his production down? Because they average like twenty passes a game. <laughs> like, have, not have you ever seen a around. team go down like twenty by twenty-one points in the first quarter and throw thirteen times? Like, I've never seen that. <laughs> it's insane. That's but that's crazy. The Falcons but for you. Do want to check that out? I haven't checked out the shovel pass video. I know we talked about it, but I want to go go check that out. You can find all his work um, on his YouTube channel at Brett Coleman, and you can also find him on Twitter at Brett Coleman. Brett. Always appreciate it, my guy. And we will chat next week, talking a little preview matchups for the Chiefs and Titans game coming up uh, after the bye week. So looking forward to that. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or whether you're listening to the podcast audio. We appreciate your support of what we're doing here at KC Sports Network and invite you to go ahead and leave us a a five-star review and a nice little comment if you like the content. If not, um, tweet us because that's what Twitter is for. So appreciate everybody. We'll see you all next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.